You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to On the Bench. This is Brendan Sinone. I am bringing the same energy as I just did five minutes ago when I recorded this intro spectacularly. And we're doing it again. And I'm in a bad mood now. Hi, Josh. Hi, Chris. Hi, Bud. I got Bud Elliott here. Got Josh Newberg. Got Chris Nee. Hi, everyone. Hey, guys. Hi, Brendan. All right. So the plus side with this podcast is going to be it's going to be recruiting centric. And we have obviously our special guest of Bud Elliott. Uh, he's the national recruiting analyst for 24-7 and obviously privy to Florida State recruiting as well for his longtime work uh, on the NOLCast. So this is going to be about FSU recruiting, kind of what's going on right now. You guys are going to like this episode because after I do my little intro here in Spiel, I'm not going to really talk a whole lot more. It's going to be three uh, three recruiting gurus. So before we get going on this episode, I want to give a shout out to a local business. So we've done that some in the past. And I want to continue doing that and help out local companies during a obviously a stressful time. And that one is Lucky Goat Coffee. I love Lucky Goat. I when I was able to leave the house would venture out there all the time. Lucky Goat Coffee has provided me with a little read here, so I'm going to go ahead and give them a shout out so you guys know how to uh, to consume their product in a safe way. <laughs> Lucky Goat Coffee is happy to serve the community during this time with hourly sanitation schedules of all services and gloves provided for each cafe. They're committed to keeping their team and customers safe. They offer a full menu with uh, bags of coffee, cold brew by the gallon. You can visit their Capital Circle, Midtown, Market, and Bannerman cafes Monday through Saturday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sundays, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Bags of coffee, equipment, and retail items are also available to order online at www.luckygoatcoffee.com. Use their free ship 25 code to receive free shipping on your order of $25 or more. Uh, we're all fans of Lucky Go Coffee, right, guys? That we I are. Am. All right. Yeah, even even Josh isn't isn't necessarily local to Tallahassee, and he makes it a point to always swing by Lucky Go Coffee. So I hit the Monroe location every time I'm in town. Every time I'm leaving town, I always get a Lucky Goat to go. Yep, and you told us that five minutes ago when we recorded this the first time, too. They didn't know that. Uh, I know, but I knew it, and I can't be. I can't Stop be. Stop apologizing. I'm not. I've not apologized once. Sorry. At the Internet time of recording, <laughs> at the time of recording this podcast, FSU is 39th nationally in the recruiting rankings, and we're about a month and a half into this shutdown. Josh, I'm going to start off with you. Uh, basically, since junior days, they, FSU had two, and, and recruitment went to a dead period in March. FSU's recruiting board has changed a lot. Uh, am I being dramatic in saying that? It, probably generally speaking hasn't hasn't changed for the best well yeah you know you're, you're not you're not wrong there but florida state has has been dealt a pretty crappy hand since mike norvell arrived i mean when he when he got here there was many roster deficiencies due to the willie taggart era mike norvell came in cleaned it up the best he could landed some important commitments at key positions like quarterback and offensive line added a couple transfers Got off to a pretty good start with a very good junior day at the end of January, another one at the end of March, and then or at the beginning of March. Then they were going to have yet another, which was going to coincide with the FSU spring game. Um, we had even had certain kids tell us that they were going to commit at the game. Dink Jackson, a talented prospect out of the state of Florida, 
uh, told us that he was going to make his decision right around then. It was most likely going to be Florida State. Since then, plans are on hold. Um, the, the recruiting class got off to a great start. Luke Altmeyer, Brandon Jennings, both on the on on the boat in the board, and there's still work to be done though. And changing that narrative at Florida State is going to be difficult without these spring visits. It's one thing to be able to tell a kid that things are changing. It's another thing to show them. And with Florida State getting the spring wiped out and most likely the summer, they're kind of behind the eight ball right now, although they're doing all they can to battle back. Yeah, to add to Josh's point, they had about 75 kids in during the first 12 days of March. So let's say they double that number over the next month. They end up with 150 in during the spring. March 28th is a good date to look at. They're supposed to get a guy like Kane Williams in. After everything went dead, Kane Williams narrowed it to three and came close to making a decision. They were supposed to get Jason Marshall in. Since the dead period began, he's narrowed it to three. They're no longer considered one of those three. So those are a couple examples of kids that they were going to have a chance to build in person, real relationships with, try to make strides with, try to make themselves in better position with those guys as recruits. And all that was just wiped out. And you can do all the virtual recruiting you want in the world. You can talk to kids, you know, every day, multiple mm-hmm. times a week, build a relationship in that sense. It's just not the same as having them in person, spending time with you around the product you're trying to sell in the vision you're trying to sell it. The only vision of FSU that a lot of those kids are dealing with has is the crappy version it was for the last two, three years on the field. They don't have the Mike Norvell, Kenny Dillingham, Adam Fuller, and staff vision of what FSU football is going to be. And you can't emulate that. You can't make it up. You can point to Memphis and say, hey, here's what we did at Memphis. Here's the success we've had in the past coaching. So no matter you know how much recruiting they can try to do in this virtual landscape, the fact that they lost in-person interactions for another month during their spring football and then they're losing the spring eval, going out and showing love and being present and now possibly losing summer camps, which at this point we think they are probably going to lose summer camps based mm-hmm. on the current calendar FSU's operating under. That's just a lot to overcome, and it's tough for a school that – truthfully doesn't have a ton to sell in the immediacy of what the program has done. Obviously, there's great history, great tradition. Mike Norvell and his staff have had success at other places, but it's so much easier to sell those things in an in-person setting than it is in this virtual setting. It's just not fair. It's why most of the schools that are doing well are the Minnesotas of the world, the Tennessees of the world, the Ohio States of the world. They all have success they can point to from last year. Whether it's you know legitimate or not can be argued, as we can talk about a school like Tennessee, but it has helped create momentum for them in recruiting that FSU just can't create. It, there's no possible way for them to create that. Right. And uh, Brendan dropped off, so we're going to just leave him. I'm going to host the rest of the show um, so we don't have to do a third take on this. But, Bud, what's your, what's your feelings and what have you seen from your perspective on all this, this offseason? So I, I think you could have argued – um, that some spring shutdown actually might have been able to help them, right? Just because mm-hmm. of, of the head start that a lot of the other schools had with the early signing period and with the new staff coming in, they had to kind of scramble to, fin- you know, to finish up the, the 2020 class. But I, I don't think any anybody can really argue that a shutdown of this length, especially with with not getting the spring eval periods and and not getting summer camps, as it looks like, like Chris said, we won't have right now. I mean, I... I, I just there's no way that this that that can be a benefit. And I mean, you have so many of these guys who are new to these kids and it's just not it, it, it's just not working out right now. I, I think like a lot of people would, would have hoped that it would. But that that doesn't 
you know, doom this staff or anything. It's just they're they're a little bit behind right now because they're not able to get in front of these kids in person and they're not able to introduce themselves to these kids other than just, you know, via Skype or via Zoom. Yeah. What have you heard from, you know, kids around the country when it comes to Florida State? You were able to get out there and be at some of these events um, and talk to some of the top kids in the country. Now, you've also covered Florida State through different periods of time as well. Um, what what was, you know, the level of concern? What was the level of excitement? What was some of the things that the kids were telling you about Florida State this offseason? So I, I think that, you know, some kids were certainly excited to learn uh, about what, what Mike Norvell and his staff would bring. They already knew, you know, Coach, Coach Dugans and, and Coach Odell. Uh, but a lot of them were just sort of curious to find out what they would learn uh, about Florida State. They really didn't know a lot about Mike Norvell. And I think that speaks to uh, them not knowing uh, a whole lot about college football in general. Like, like we, we as college football media, and I think a lot of the fans, especially Florida State fans now, retroactively went back and watched a lot of Memphis, right? But now they're like, kids don't necessarily know about Memphis, right? Like, like especially elite kids are, are not really paying attention to what Memphis did. And, and so I think that's an area where Florida State was going to have to try to educate these guys. And a lot of these dudes were eager to learn about it, but not get not being able to get up there and, and meet these guys in person uh, are, is is tough. And, and that that's really, like a lot of them just didn't know a lot about this staff. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest hurdles they're going to have to overcome is changing the narrative. And it's very hard to do that when you don't have a spring, you don't have a summer. And, you know, we don't even know right now if they'll have a season. Hopefully they will, because the only way that you can really shift the narrative is to show these prospects what you're actually doing on the field. Um, Chris, I'm looking over the top target section on Knowles 24-7. And we have guys like Amarius Mims and Lee Hunter and Terrace Ferguson and Barrett Carter. They're up there at the top of the board. Um, now, they are they are on the board. They are interested in Florida State. But in terms of realistic targets, um, who would be your maybe your top three or top five on the board right now? Well, it's funny how the four you mentioned, the one that I feel FSU has the best shot of, is one that's committed to Auburn. And right, big Lee Hunter. Yeah, because he's been on campus. They're in very good with Cameron Grace, who's a teammate, a buddy of his. They're close. The proximity of Mobile to Tallahassee helps. There's just a lot of pieces there to help. Marcus Woodson's done a really good job with Lee Hunter. Lee Hunter also liked mm-hmm. Odell when he came over and was able to meet him and speak with him and get to know the staff a little bit more. And the relationship there has been built to some degree. But a guy like Terrence Ferguson, trending to in-state Georgia. Marius Mims, we've long contended that's an Alabama-Georgia type of battle. Uh, Corey Collier is an FSU legacy. He's another kid that's up there. Probably a safety more than a corner. He's mm-hmm. previously named Clemson as his leader. A lot of people don't think Clemson's going to have room for him when it comes time for him to decide later in the process. So that's the kind of kid that might trickle down somewhat back towards FSU to a degree. And obviously there's some stuff built up there with the fact that there's family legacy. Xavier Sori, very talented 
athlete. Most people view him as an outside backer at the next level. He's over in Graceville, pretty short ride from Tallahassee. But right now, Alabama and Florida probably lead over a school like Florida State. But FSU is in that. Talked to Sawyer earlier this week. Sawyer said that uh, he's spoken regularly with FSU during the slowdown. So there's obviously effort being made. And then the next guy up is probably Quentin Somerville. But he's out in Arizona has never visited. So it's kind Wants of Wants to visit. Well, oh, yeah. Perfect example. Wanted to come in for the spring game. Intended to come in for multiple days, check out the spring game, spend time. He's been getting recruited heavily by Kenny Dillingham. Obviously, a lot of Arizona roots there for Dillingham. Dillingham knows a lot of high school coaches out west, especially in Arizona and California, very, very well. So that helps build some of those bonds early. And I believe Somerville has got family in the college coaching game. I want to say New Mexico State. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but when are they going to build that in-person relationship with Quentin Somerville? How long is a kid like that willing to wait to truly give FSU a fair shot? That That's right. a conundrum we're dealing with here currently of unknown timeline. And I think that's tough for FSU. Obviously, the kids that we should mention, though, because not all doom and gloom. Fat Payson's a kid that's leaning towards FSU. Dink Jackson, someone we mentioned earlier. I don't think that's as much of a heavy lean to FSU as it once was. But FSU still definitely very much in it. Um, and then you got the locals like Terry on Arnold, Deshaun Rutgers, Amari Harvey. Those are all guys they've built pretty good bonds with. They got a lot of work to do with all of them. You know, Harvey was leaning towards Florida at one point. Arnold, most people think Alabama's probably sitting in the best position as of today. Rutgers a little harder to decipher, but Clemson did a good job with him before everything got shut down. So there's work to be done there. So it's, it's hold tough. on before hold on before we go on. I want to I want to touch on the the uh, local kids for a second because th- it's such a topic on the message board. So just throw it around of the three top local prospects in the Tallahassee area: Sorry, Harvey, and Rucker. How many of the three do you think Florida State? lands chris well i think arnold's in that three before someone like harvey and that's not a knock on harvey or rucker yeah arnold's I, I think arnold and well. sawyer are the two best 850 definitely football players um what was the question what does fsu have to i do? mean i think it's a it's always a measuring stick when it comes to top local recruits to see how many Florida state can pull i mean there's always going to be the the tallahassee kid that wants to leave the area but for the most part when Florida state wants a local prospect and they're swinging a big stick they can get that local prospect so these guys are super talented it's a great class this year how many do you think Florida State can land of that group I would set the over under at one and a half bud what what are you taking over under uh I I actually think I might take over um okay I I think Florida State has a chance to Maybe overperform a little bit on the field this year, perhaps. I know that's kind of weird for me to say, uh, but I, I just not sure how many of their opponents on, on their schedule are necessarily all, all that great. And this is, I mean, a wild shot because we have no idea how they're going to react to right. not having a summer and a spring with their coaches. I mean, it could be a, a complete disaster. Who knows? Uh, but just looking at some of this data and kind of spoiler alert of something I'm probably going to be publishing on 24/7 in a little bit. Uh, I think we're going to have more decommitments than ever this cycle. I, I, I think we are like, we're going to have so many kids right now who, because they didn't get to visit their schools that they wanted, they're going to be jumping on spots. And I think that they're basically just doing it just to reserve a spot in a class. I mean, heck we literally had uh, offensive tackle JC Latham tell us at, in the March camp back when we remember when we, when we still had camps, that was cool. And mm-hmm. at the Under Armour camp, he just straight out said, Josh was there for it. 
I'm going to commit to either Ohio State or LSU on this date, uh, but I'm still going to take all my visits in and make a final decision. I was like, so you're just kind of reserving your spot? And he was like, yeah. And Latham certainly didn't know about uh, you know coronavirus. And I don't think mm-hmm. Florida State's going to get Latham, obviously. But if a kid who's that level, like a top 10 national player, is, show, is saying, I'm going to reserve my spot, a lot of these other guys now are committing to places sight unseen. If, if Florida State has the recruiters on its staff that it thinks it has, haven't necessarily shown that they have yet, but if, if they're as good as they think they are, they're going to have a chance to flip a lot of these kids, even if they commit elsewhere first. My only takeaway from that, or, or my only suggestion on that is I've talked to a lot of coaches that feel that this re- recruiting cycle is different, like you say. And a lot of coaches feel that kids are are choosing schools local to them. Because there's not a lot of travel. And, and you know, kids have a very limited perspective on life. So they think like, oh, well, if I can't travel now, you know, when am I going to be able to travel ever again? And you see a lot of prospects right now choosing to stay closer to home. So while you're right, I think prospects that choose schools sight unseen might open it back up. But I don't know this cycle if the ones that choose to stay close to home right now are going to end up opening it back up. I think those might, they might end up playing their college ball closer to home because of all this. The, so we'll the see. Summer, the The other factor of this whole thing, if summer camps don't happen, it's going to be really interesting. There's a lot of schools, Alabama and LSU are two that come immediately to mind that there's kids that they like that they could easily take right now today that they want to see at summer camps. Mm-hmm. And Kane Williams comes to mind. Kane Williams is definitely in that boat with Alabama and LSU because a lot of schools with Kane Williams aren't sure. Is he a long-term safety? Is he moving down the linebacker? Where does he fit? And they want to see that for themselves in person. And they're not getting the spring eval visits to see that because those aren't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Summer camp is going to be a big place for that to potentially happen if they do happen. But if they don't happen, are they willing to wait till the fall or do they take the guy who is currently higher on their board that they're more sure about? and cause a guy like that to have a trickle-down effect. So I think it's kind of interesting in this class how some of that's going to happen too, where uh, you know a kid really likes the school a lot, really wants to go to school A or school B, but school A and B aren't yet sure if they want to take the kid. So the school C benefit because of all this, but then get burned in the end because when things do figure themselves out, he upgrades to the schools he originally wanted to go to. Going back to Bud's mm-hmm. point, of, we're probably going to see more decommitments than we've ever seen before, quite possibly. And if we're, we're going to talk 2021 recruiting, we're definitely going to talk offensive line recruiting. And since we got Bud Elliott on here, I don't know if there's been anybody that's written more words on FSU offensive line recruiting in the last 10 years than Bud has. So, uh, Bud, we saw Florida State land a commitment from Jake Slaughter during the lockdown. He's a six foot four, 300 pound center from Ocala, Florida. Um, he's a guy that has been on campus twice already. So, he, he didn't commit to FSU's side end scene. We feel good about his commitment, but FSU certainly needs to add more pieces. Uh, we see offensive tackle prospects committing to other schools nearly weekly at this point. Um, Florida State still needs to land at least two and then maybe hit the JUCO market. What are you seeing when it comes to Florida State offensive line recruiting right now? So I I, I really don't necessarily like their they're bored all that much, right? I mean, they're, to me, they're specifically at tackle. Right? What do you mean? Center, by, you mean by, with their um, selection of choices, or just the just purely what's on the board? So, tackle. just I, I I think that the 
like the you, you recently put out a board showing their like like kind of who their top targets are and whatnot, and I, I was just a little bit underwhelmed about the 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 sweet spot of it, right? You you mm-hmm. had some really flashy names on there, which I agree that they are recruiting and have offered, uh, but I don't think that they have a real shot to get a guy like a Marius Mims or Terrence you know, Ferguson or, or or Terrence Ferguson or or, or, or Tristan Lee or. Or JC, mm-hmm. obviously, Micah Morris, I think, was on that board, and then he committed to to Georgia. You know, like it's clear yes. that these recruits like Alex Atkins, but uh, like I don't think Florida State is going to be caught with its pants down and not have a backup plan. Like we all agree, they went way too hard for too long on Evan Neal th- w- without a reasonable backup plan. And we would talk mm-hmm. to those coaches, when, and we'd be like, "You guys aren't going to sign Evan Neal? Like what? What is like what, what is going on here?" Um, and then you look at kind of the the more bottom part of the board that that you had posted, I I don't even really like some of those kids all that much, and and I think there's some guys out there uh, who they probably you know and recently have offered like they they offered a Hugh Laughlin like that's that's probably a pretty good offer you know maybe a, a guy who's a recent um, a recent convert to offensive line um, I I think they should offer Rod Orr right he's a dude who I think yeah. like like Chris talked about Bama LSU. These are guys who they would have offered uh, if they had come to their Bama or LSU camp. Well, I think Rod Orr is a guy who easily gets an offer if he comes to Florida State camp. If they're going to offer Micah Pettis, why would they not offer Rod Orr, right? Like, to me, that that's a a no-brainer. We, we know they like the kid Ruquan Buckley at, out of, what, Michigan or Indiana? Uh, Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, um, Michigan. You know, so, like, there's I, – I think that – Expanding the board now, which is what they appear to be doing, is is pretty smart. I saw Garner Langlow, Caleb Johnson's teammate in Orlando, mm-hmm. and he's he's not bad either. The the one piece I don't have on the offensive line puzzle here is we don't know what they're going to do junior college wise yet, but we do know the staff has a pretty good track record of going into junior colleges and getting guys. So maybe the freakout about offensive tackle recruiting at the high school level is a little bit unwarranted in terms of volume, simply because they might, this staff might be thinking, hey, we're going to go out, we're going to get two JUCO guys at offensive tackle, or at least one good one to pair with two high school kids. But I, like, who on their board right now that, that Josh posted, do you think that they can actually get and who you Chris actually like? It. Chris posted it. So, Chris, you, oh, Chris, you sorry, talk, my about, bad. talk about what, what no, about you, you did story. the offensive tackle board. I did the expanding the board. I talked about Orr and the young man from the oh, that's that Bud brought up. Yeah, no, I mean right helpful. now, but I think it's I think it's a uh, it's a difficult predicament that they're in because I agree with you. Um, they want how much different is Langlo at Ocala Trinity than Caleb Johnson at o- Ocala Trinity? I mean, Caleb Johnson, right? But Caleb Johnson as a prospect is, is raw. Um, he's not a sure thing. Uh, he needs to be developed and, and Langlo is essentially the same prospect. However, he never made it to FSU's campus, right? So it's hard for a staff or professional staff, um, that's been doing this for years to kind of bend the way that they do typically do things in times like these, right? Because typically you'd wait until May until you can lay, lay eyes on Langlo and see him in person and then make a decision on whether you want to offer him. But all that's been taken away. So do they do they start going on guys like that we've been talking about sight unseen? Because I think that's the next step, right? For all yeah, but you, you put yourself in territory of taking bad takes when you have to do that. 
because you're just not able to gather enough information personally to know that you're definitely taking the right guy. And FSC's roster isn't in a position where it can afford a lot of bad takes. To answer the question of the current board, who would I take on it? Mm-hmm. Micah Pett, and realistically, they could get Micah Pettis would probably be the only guy. Right, that was going to be my got some weight he's got to shed and some stuff he's got to work on. He's a little heavy on his feet because he is heavy on his body. Um, but I think Micah is a guy who, if you're taking three or four in a class, he can qualify as your third or fourth guy in that class. And to the Juco point, Kenny Dillingham went into Auburn and they needed offensive linemen and they needed to go to Juco ranks. And he went like a rabid dog and got after it. And they had a lot of success doing that. So it is definitely there. And Coach Atkins is a guy who knows how to find offensive linemen. I think another issue this year is I, I, I just don't think there's a ton of great offensive tackles in the high school ranks this year. I think that list is 30 to 40 maybe, and the upper-tier schools are going to want to take two. So those numbers start thinning out real fast, and you got to find the Hugh Laughlin's in the world, guys who are yeah. transitioning to the position from other spots. And I think that's what we're going to see FSU kind of transition to themselves here moving forward with expanding that board. But that's going to be a tough thing to do with no spring and no summer. It's hard yeah. new no, names to truly no emerge. To work them out at. Yeah. Um, but everybody's sort of at, at an information disadvantage though, right? Like due to the yes. lockdown, like Florida state's not the only one. So I, I think everybody is having to expand their board a little more than normal, take a few more chances, but with a new staff, they might have to do it even like they're at an even greater information disadvantage because mm-hmm. they've never been around to these high schools in many cases to, to see these kids in person. Like if, if you're at a, an existing staff, they've said, Hey, you know what? Like I haven't seen this kid this spring, obviously, but I did see him last summer at our camp okay his film looks looks like it improved in in the fall of 2019 let's let's go ahead and and offer the guy here there's no in-person baseline to operate off so as a new staff they are at a little bit greater information disadvantage uh or deficit than uh, than existing staffs yeah in some schools you're trying to figure out who's telling you the truth and who's just blowing hot air up your backside to pipe up a kid bud during quarantine, we've seen certain programs have jolts of momentum. Um, right now, we're seeing it with Tennessee. Hell, we even saw it with Florida State a little bit. They, when they landed Jake Slaughter, they also landed three transfers kind of around the same time, and, and there was a little bit of momentum. But how does a program like Tennessee get traction in a time like this? So I, I think Tennessee, first of all, has some really good recruiters on its staff. It's obviously – you know it. it, it knows how to play the recruiting game. Right. And like, they are all in going, going full sec. And that's, there, there's something to be said for that. Uh, I do think that they, they made a big deal about the games they won down the stretch last year. And I think that if I was on Tennessee staff, I would sell the exact same thing. Right. And so they're saying, Hey, like we're, we're the next big thing. Obviously we have great facilities. Uh, you, you guys are, are kind of the missing piece for us to take, that next step and kids are buying in. Right. Um, and also like within Florida, Florida's pretty open at this point for, for, for teams to come in here. Like, like this UF has done a great job. Right. But recently Florida state and Miami have not. And so I, I track this in the sunshine state scorecard. I mean, it's been pretty much open season on the four and five stars in the state of Florida for out of state schools recently. Chris, you talked to a lot of, a lot of recruits. Um, what do you, what do you put your thumb on this lack of momentum being? Is it is it a lack of recruiting ties for this staff, or is it just simply the fact that they can't entertain recruits on campus right now? 
Uh, I think a lot of it is that kids are looking at the options they have and comparing them on what have they done lately. And I think for FSU, that's a tough sell. Uh, I think truthfully, that's what it boils down to for a lot of kids. A lot of kids like FSU staff. A lot of kids, especially the ones who have had a chance to get here, think highly of the man recruiting them or the men recruiting them. And I, I think that's why some kids are willing to hold out or some kids are going to end up in the boat here during this period of uncertainty. But for a kid like an Amarius Mims and those types who have a lengthy list of high-quality options, it doesn't matter how much they like FSU. FSU mm-hmm. just can't compare currently because they don't have enough on-field sample size of the current staff to know what they're getting into. Schools that are trending right now, Tennessee, Minnesota's, uh, North Carolina's not one. And then, of course, the normal powers like the Alabama's, Ohio State's, Clemson's that are going to be fine in recruiting even if they don't have a lot of kids in the boat right now. They have obviously year-over-year success or a recent trend of improving success in a case like Tennessee and North Carolina that mm-hmm. they're able to point to. FSU doesn't have that to fall back on. So it all comes down to personal relationships. And as we kind of hit on in the opening of this today, that's just a tough thing to create in a virtual environment. And it really strains. I mean, when FSU hired the staff, they felt confident they could recruit. And I believe they've hired a good staff in the sense of guys who know what they want for what they're going to do, and they know how to evaluate guys and find guys that fit those roles. I think that's something they believe in, and they're willing to offer a kid that is lesser known, not ranked, not, doesn't have a ton of offers because they believe he fits what they're trying to accomplish. And I think that's an excellent thing to have in a staff. You need a staff that believes in themselves first and foremost as evaluators, recruiters, and talent fitters to what they're trying to accomplish. Mm. But for FSU, they also need some of that upper-tier, no-doubt talent that everybody else in the country has, and they're not going to be able to pull that off with the way things currently are. Just It is a victim of the circumstances. I don't think there's anything they can truly do about it until they're able to play some football games and show something in that fashion because everything else before that point in the process has essentially been wiped out for them. Mm. All right, we've come to the end of Brendan's outline here. So, But before we get out of here, uh, Florida State is ranked number 39. We're starting to see some of the posts on the Knowles 24-7 message board about kind of is it time to freak out. So before we, we get out of here, I want to ask you guys, Bud, number 39 right now as we sit here on on May 1st, is it freak out time? How worried are you? What are your expectations moving forward? I'm not worried at all. Uh, I, I think that this is a longer term rebuild. And, you know, I, I think probably a lot of us uh, agree with that. Now, if you think this is something that's going to get flipped in just a year, if you're still operating on a pre early signing period timeline, uh, then you should be freaking the hell out for sure. Right. Because like that's not going to happen, especially not right. with with the coronavirus recruiting shutdown. Uh, but if you are kind of if you believe in Mike Norbell and his staff and you think they're going to do a good job in the long term. Uh, then I don't think there's any real cause for freakout. This just might delay success by, I don't know what, maybe a season. Mm-hmm. It just depends, yeah, what they're able to do. Chris, what about you? Where's your level of concern? I think concern's fair. Um, I don't think freakout is fair. I think that it's just a tough situation. I, FSU's biggest needs, in my view, are DN and offensive tackle two positions that there's just not an abundance and overflowing abundance of talent at. And the fact that they're kind of in a tough pickle with a guy like Quentin Somerville at DN, for example, uh, is, is going to be difficult to overcome. They are in a good spot with a guy like Sean Brett Jackson, for example, at DN, and they do have other options. 
I think the one saving grace, well, I think one, Bud made a great point with this as a multi-year rebuild. I think we all understand that. I think we've all stated that in the past that this isn't something that's happening overnight, but they need to show trend towards improvement and lead up to the turnaround. Um, But I do think Mike Norvell and his staff are very aggressive at uh, identifying needs and addressing needs by any means possible. And I think if you, if you fall short in recruiting because it's just not there for you, you know, the victim of circumstance situation, then you turn your attention to potentially Juco, but that's always Mm -hmm. a tough thing to figure out because there's sometimes a lot, sometimes not very much, especially at positions of need. And then transfer market. I think they've shown transfer market is a place that they're one, very intelligent with what they pursue and two, very aggressive with what they go after. And I think, I think that's the saving grace. To me, that's what it falls back on. I don't think this class is ever going to be ranked very highly. And by very highly, I mean top 10, 15. I think it's right. going to be a tough reach. But I think what they bring in in total to improve the roster can exceed that. That's fair. Yeah, I, I think um, I'm right there with you. I think there's certain positions that I would say I'm concerned with. Um, but overall, knowing this staff, uh, I feel I feel good about Mike Norvell and the recruiting staff he's put together, I would be more concerned if they didn't understand the task ahead of them. If this was a staff that felt like, oh, yeah, we'll be fine. You know, all we got to do is is wear these garnet and gold. We'll be fine. We'll get out there. We'll recruit. OK, I'd be concerned. Um, this staff understands the task at hand and, and, and is willing to work for it. So for that, you know, I, I'm never going to doubt hard work. I think they've had been dealt a, a pretty crappy hand to get started, but in the long term, I think they'll be okay. Um, before we get out of here, I also wanted to give a quick update on Fabian Lovett. He's the Mississippi State transfer. Um, on Sunday night or Monday night, posters on the message board noticed that he had taken down some stuff that was representing his Florida State commitment from his Twitter account. I don't know if that was in his bio or some tweets or what. Uh, but there was a little smoke, so I reached out to Fabian Lovett, who I've never had an issue getting on the phone or getting a hold of, and I have not been able to get a hold of him all week. I uh, spoke to a good source this morning close to uh, Florida State, and they tell me that, you know, as of now, they still expect Fabian Lovett to come. Um, I asked if there's any concern, and the person kind of gave a laugh and threw his hands up and said, you know, there's no way for us to sign him. There's nothing there's nothing that uh, is binding between him saying that he's coming and him enrolling. And with everything on lockdown and the campus closed, he can't get to campus to enroll. Do they expect him to still be there and, and be a guy that they can count on? Yes. Um, can you say it with 100% certainty? No, not until he shows up on campus. Uh, and I also can't I can't find any other teams that I know are, are involved with him right now. So while well, I think it's a little bit weird, things are up in the air, um, right now I – I'm not overly concerned, but I'll keep an eye on it. That's about it. You guys good? I'm great. All right. Good. For Bud Elliott, for Chris Nee, and for Brendan Sinone, wherever the hell he is, I'm Josh Newberg, and thank you (laughs) for listening to On the Bench.
Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.